Cindy, you would think. The Philadelphia Flyers Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Collington. Joining me once again, Mr. Kevin Durso. How are you, buddy? Um, a lot better than I was a week ago. <laughs> That's fair. You um, Would you like to explain to the folks off the top here why, yeah, why last week's show didn't happen? Yeah, last week's show didn't happen. I put it on Twitter earlier this week, so... Uh, took you know almost three years down the line but finally COVID got me so um you know I had to take a couple of days off naturally because fair enough. you know I in fairness I, there was I I waited you know that I could have I could have done the rem, the semi-remote show if you will from like one room over where I don't have the full setup and things like that but the the cough was still bothering me a little bit and i just like i know what's good i know what good listening is on a podcast you don't need to hear me hacking up a lung and we're more than happy to just push it off especially because we are so close to the trade deadline i'm kind of glad we did there was a Um, lot happened i mean i did i read about an awful lot over the course of like in my time in isolation there was a lot going on and 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 if we had done our show on time i think the biggest story probably would have been the ryan o'reilly trade because it had happened on the friday um, night and if we had recorded sunday morning it was still kind of the fresh story around the league well because we are yeah because we really already had like the tarasenko thing was still fresh but then the o'reilly one kind of came through a little it later just I mean, felt bigger than the tarasenko deal like it it the tarasenko deal has some interesting implications for patrick kane and we'll talk sure. about that moving forward here um but it it it's been good to see other blues, it's been it's been good to see other teams getting involved i'll yeah. say that because for a while it was like hey st louis is doing this and nobody else and now it's picked up big time i mean we've got a lot of trades yeah i do also want to talk about the fact that we've had some monstrous trades and we have some trades breaking you know we'll talk about the uh timo meyer trade but it's currently uh discussions are ongoing as we're they're actually quite literally they're putting out the official tweets now so like we're getting the final list as we speak so okay i was gonna say we we've heard for the last bottom line is it is a done deal yeah it's a done deal meyer is a devil meyer is a devil and the metro just keeps just keeps gunning right because it it started with the islanders and bo horvat a month and a half ago about to say oh by the way they're in a playoff spot um, they, you know, that team that we all went, why are they buying? Uh, currently sitting in the first wild card spot and like comfortably. Um, I mean, I don't know. Eh, if relatively comfortable. You know, I don't know if anybody in the East should that's be fair. comfortable right now. I mean, but they, they're, well, they're in uh, a better spot than, for example, the well, Penguins or, you know, the Capitals have just completely fallen off the back. Well, the, the Capitals are a very interesting story as well, because. You know, I don't know many teams that are two points out of a playoff. I mean, they're three as of today now, obviously, but like at the time are two points out of a playoff spot and make a very seller's move, you know, yeah, and, and Dimitri Orlov and, out, and, Garnet Hathaway out, both to the Boston Bruins for, which, for which, futures. By the, which, by the way, is a great deal for Boston because oh, they get phenomenal. two because they, you know, the team that's already running away with the president's trophy just loaded up with a top and, four defenseman and a good depth forward. Garnet Hathaway is just the most Bruins player in the league. Like, if you rewind to the Capitals team that won the Cup a couple of years ago, right. they felt like the Bruins. They, they just felt, it felt like a team of Bruins. Tom Wilson feels like a Bruin. Garnet Hathaway feels like a Bruin. Ryan Reeves feels like a Bruin. Yeah. Um, and now we see Hathaway just go there, and he's going to slot in perfectly. He's going to be a, an absolute oh, yeah. menace in the playoffs. He's going to commit homicide in the third round because that's how the playoffs work. And the Bruins are going to win the cup. I mean, I'm not going that I'm not calling that, that, but, like, no. you know what I mean. Oh, no, but, I mean, in terms of, like, there's not 
like there's not a team that that they're, team is they're not chasing the win record oh, legitimately. Yeah, well, like there's there's but for a team that already didn't have really any holes to speak of, they somehow or other yet like still plugged in to what could have been a hole, if you will. Like like Dmitry Orlov's a top four defenseman, Absolutely. and he's gonna play like one. Yep, especially there. Like they're definitely not gonna look at him and say, "Hey, by the way, you got to play top pair minutes." They don't need to there. Nope. Absolutely but they're, they're going to get minutes from him. And, and, and he's I think lock down their penalty kill. And I think that's something that, cause I did see, you know, cause the Bru- we're, we have another Bruin story. We're going to get into a little later on down yep. the show, but I watched Jim Montgomery's post game after that game on that very first game that Orlov and Hathaway played. And all he could talk about with Orlov was he already like that. He's thinking ahead that the next decision is already made before he gets the puck. And he's, he's quick with those decisions and, and moves it so quickly that it's already out of your zone before you have even time to worry about it. So that's how he becomes a great fit, right? Like if he, if he just plays into the, everything's moving and we know how, like we know how good that room is because Bergeron's a great captain and Pasternak's the guy who keeps it light and, and things like that. Like, we know what a great they, room it already is. And they still have a nine-point lead on the President's Trophy race, by the way. Yeah, nine on the President's Trophy. They got a 15-point <laughs> lead on the division. Like, And by the way, for the record, this isn't a trade for the regular season. Like, well, sure. Yes, these players are going to help them over the last 20 games. They're going to help them chase the yeah, win record. No, by the correct. way, the, the win record's 62. They're at 45. I know. So they need With- 17 wins over their last 24 games. And at the pace this impossible. team's playing, right. the pace not this impossible. team's playing, they would, have, they would have to slow down. Well, we already knew that. I mean, we've talked about that a little bit on the weeks leading up yep. to, like, that they were going to be on pace for some pretty incredible things with the way They might clinch going. a playoff spot, like, next week. Oh, I hear – well, yeah. It's uh, not yeah, crazy. Yeah, we're yeah, starting yeah. to get there. For the record, can I amend my previous statement? Because that's a team in the East that's very comfortable with where that's, they are. Yeah, you know, I and mean, Carolina probably doesn't feel terrible either. Like no, still, I mean the only thing fighting it out. Right now, Carolina has one thing that they're not comfortable with per se. Like they're definitely comfortable from a playoff standpoint, though they're making it running away with a playoff spot. But I don't they're know if they feel well. Sure, and I and listen, they've got a few days to figure that out because certainly the team that's three points behind them in the standings for that division, like for the Metro Division, yep. just made their move. And, and Timo added, Meyer is a big ad. Sure. So now Carolina may have to counter here if they want to stay the course and be that team that Carolina ends up winning the division. I, I got to figure out how they would make that work, but I mean, it's the, it's the age of everybody just making it work. I mean, we've seen Kyle Dubas make it work. We've well, seen, because we've seen it's, it's the age of the third team comes in and eats the salary so that you can get the players time, you want. Yep. And multiple times this season already, it's been the Minnesota wild. Interestingly. Yeah, I know. Um, we, I mean, but you're right. Like the playoff list for the East is just piling up, and <laughs> and you got a lot. Of, you've got a lot of teams. Like like the Islanders are a unique team in this sense because nobody in the Eastern Conference has played more games than that team. Right. Like so, there's always this possibility of well, you got a lot of games left for some of these other teams that are going to shuffle their way in and out and whatnot. Like like I keep an eye on Detroit and I keep an eye on Buffalo that they're not out of it by any stretch because they've got all these extra games to play. Oh yeah. You know, as things like, oh, like Pittsburgh I is very much not comfortable where they're at. They can't. Oh, sure. Be. Well, that's and that's why I feel like like what Washington did is such a strong statement because it's almost like recognizing they folded. 
in, no, in, the, in the poker game, they folded. They said kind of, out. yeah, but like it's because it's a recognition of we're 62 games into this thing. There's only 20 to go. Yep. And if we're not in this thing completely, and we there's other teams get out now, and there's other teams, yep. we can at least because because teams like that have to start thinking. Like a team like Washington has to start thinking about the last three years of Ovechkin, right? Yep. Like and what's left of this that we can salvage down the road because. It, what if you know? What if they're not a contender in the final years of that? And what happens from there? You got a guy who should be a lifetime Washington Capital. And Elliot Friedman has come out and said that they've the the Washington Capitals have made it pretty well known that if you have any interest in any of their UFAs, give them a call. You know, it's sure. they're they're open for business. Um, it's it's but it's it's a very smart thing they're doing. It's yep. it really is. I mean, if you can recognize the situation and jump in head first with it. You know, that so, that's a big deal. And it's and I guess to tie it into the team that we talk about the most, it says something when the team that's two points out of a playoff spot recognizes the situation a lot faster than the team that's nine points out. Well, at the time they were only six, if you remember. No, no, well, no, no, no. I, well, no, not <laughs> no, at the time I that the I say not the time that the trade was being made. Not no, no, no. I'm talking about I'm talking about the the Chuck Fletcher. We're only six points out of a playoff uh, no, spot. Was, comment. Uh, no, that was five at that point. <laughs> oh, it was five. Okay, I'm yeah, sorry. No, so it was only five points out, which um, it doesn't matter what the point total is. The, no. the the point stands that like we're only blank out. We're only blank out. Well, as of right. this, as of this given moment right now. They're 11 points out, and the team that they would be chasing has two games in hand. I don't think you're making the playoffs. So, no, absolutely not. I mean, so and, this, and, then, and then this doesn't help either, by the way. No. Well, I did want to talk about the fact that uh, as we come up to the trade deadline, what flyers could potentially be moving. Sure. Um, we've, tar- we've heard about JVR. Mm-hmm. We've heard about uh, kind of the UFA type of guys. Nick Sealer's sure. gotten a little love. Justin Braun has gotten a little love. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, anybody whose contract is expiring, come get them. If they got one more year left, you can probably come get them. It's it's pretty fire sale-ish in Philadelphia. But no one's calling at the moment. You know, there hasn't really been any trades made quite yet. Um, obviously, I imagine we'll see that as we creep toward the deadline. Right. Uh, so one of the names that has popped up as a, I believe the phrase was a, as a dark horse trade candidate, mm-hmm. uh, was Joel Farabee. And now, as the situation shook itself out, as a sure. little bit more information became clear, mm-hmm. uh, the, I don't want to call it a rumor, the report is uh, that there may be some discontent in the Farabee camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, he may not be entirely happy with... Um, the leadership of John Tortorella or the team's direction under the leadership of John Tortorella. Right. Uh, there were some comments by Joel Farabee's agent and John Tortorella fired back in a press conference. Uh, right. Where, where are we at here? All right. So, well, let's make something clear about the Farabee side of this, which is that yeah. any specific comments are quiet in terms of, so all yes. we know is that there might be some displeasure that was voiced within from his camp to the Flyers organization, but we will not ever have kind of the specifics of what's been said. But but I'm, I'm sure willing, that, I'm willing to bet it's something along the lines of "We suck. I'd like to win. Can we not suck, please?" N- n- no, I think where it really goes is like truthfully where it goes is because I know you're partially joking there. Um, a little bit. Yeah. That, that where it goes is kind of what gives with the situation because he wasn't play like he got benched for a game 
there was I, I think I believe I saw that Anthony Sanfilippo had put out there that if Travis Konechny had not gotten hurt in the Calgary game, he was going to if Faraby was going to sit the Edmonton game. Well, um, right. And even in the Calgary game, Joel Faraby only played three minutes. Oh, right. That's, that's what seconds. I mean. So he barely played the Calgary game. Yep. If and not, he would for, have been scratched for the right. Oilers game. Correct. That, that's the right. story. And that's kind of led to this this conversation about kind of what gives because because let's be real. And we've talked all year about this that Farabee's kind of been given some rope in the sense that, like, the surgery definitely has hindered him. There's no question about that. And John Tortorella has said that he's not going to let Joel Farabee use it as an excuse. Right. And But factually, it is, you know, he's not recovered. Right. And the, well, it's not, I don't know if it's that he's not recovered. I think that what the real story is, is that he's had the, now he's had the time to kind of recover as the season's progressed, but the lack of his traditional offseason didn't allow him to condition himself for games 60 to 82, let's just say. So he's pretty much got nothing left in his tank. I mean, in the early part of the season, he was shying away from contact and it was, uh, he definitely wasn't as tenacious of a player as he could have been like that. We had seen in the player we've seen, right. Because of the surgery. But as that kind of wears off and it's like, Hey, listen, you're halfway through a season at this point, then so be it. Like, now it's less about, oh, it's the injury that's in. I think it's just the fact of the matter is he didn't get a chance to build up some strength and he has no conditioning left. Right. And he's kind of just going to have to go through the motions until the season's over and you can take that, you know, take that whatever, two weeks, and a month off, and, the, and then you come back and you start lifting and working out. And quite frankly, there's no... I really hope that after the season, Joel Farabee and the organization and pretty much everyone can look at this season and from this player in particular, just kind of chalk it. Right. And we understand what was happening this year. We watched it with Claude Giroux. We watched it with, you know, several other players throughout the league, throughout, you know, time. You know, we've seen Jack Eichel turn essentially back into Jack Eichel once he had a, a real actual offseason. Right. I mean, he's not, not perfect. About by, right. He's not no. perfect by any stretch, but I get your point. There's a couple of things that come into play with this for me that I think are very important to this story. And on it, John Tortorella is at fault for one of them. And I don't know who to really put it fault for the second one. You could kind of, you know, interpret. I'll leave it to your own interpretation, if you will. The Tortorella part of it is, is that, listen, if you're going to give him any benefit of the doubt from the injury, then you kind of have set up, you have to almost set a precedence that you can't bench him for that reason, so right. to speak. That's if you're going to treat, if you're going to try to sit here and say you're being fair and you've treated him equally like everybody else has, then you needed to be doing that from day one, that if he had that level of bad game, then he should have been benched long ago to an extent, because right. then you're not making it about the injury. You're literally trying to say he's cleared, he's good. And he's doing things, and and then that whole thing becomes like, then this is not a new thing now, 60 well, games down the line. And we also don't necessarily know that it was due to the injury. He might have had a poor attitude. He might have X, Y, Z. There's any number of things that could have happened. Sure, I get um, that. And, 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 and like, know. but I just don't, what I don't understand is it's like, it's not like it's been a secret that he's struggled this year, especially, especially from an offensive standpoint, because he's not the same player that he was. No. That's, Right, like His this year, has and, right, severely. and this year he was never going to be. And the thing is, is that like it's kind of hard to listen in hindsight, like as Tortorella talks about this concept of 
like having to remember that and remember that he didn't get that full off season, but yet then trying to say that for accountability's sake, you've got to treat him the same way. This is, you know, that's the hard part for Tortorella because I don't think he has a tactful way of doing that. Like it's, it's kind of always abrasive. It's a sticky him. situation. Right. Yeah. Well, but it kind of always is because, you know, Tortorella is not here to necessarily make friends with everybody. He's just doing, he's doing his job the way he knows how to do the job. Right. And there's nothing that's going to change that. The second part of this, and this is where I say I leave this for everybody's interpretation, because this could be this could be Joel Faraby, this could be something else within the organization. But if this was going to be a problem, and and you know Tortorella, to his credit, gave Faraby credit for this, he made it made himself ready to go on day one. Yeah, was that necessarily the right thing in hindsight? Maybe not. Right, because now that you think about it, you could have eased him back in. You could have said, "Listen, he's still recovering from this surgery. You could have give given him the extra conditioning stint. Give him the two yep. weeks into the regular season, so it was November. Give him until Thanksgiving. Give him what we thought it was going to take, because we were we all definitely were surprised he was good to go on season opener. Absolutely, we expected and now you're in seeing, November, right? But now you're seeing the after effects, which is once and and this is the truth. Once you're into it, once you're into the game, the game, the game then you're not building any muscle and you're not training like you would in the off season. And you're some, now you're just trying to take the days and heal up as best you can in between because yeah. you're on to the next one to push it the next time. Right. So. Yeah. Well, and we've seen time and time again that if a player thinks they're ready, they're going to try to play, even if they're not a hundred percent. Sure. And sometimes the team just simply needs to not allow them to make that decision. Right. And that's why I'm saying like, it's hard to pinpoint exactly who's yep. responsible for this because, yep. because, Good luck telling Joel Faraby or any other hockey player sit out purposely because we don't like we really think you need this timeline if there's an option that he could clear for a season opener, right? It's like, time it's times like this where I wish there was a someone in the front office, whether it be the GM, whether it be the president of hockey ops. In this case it's not Chuck this, Fletcher, spoiler right, alert. No, right. You know, in, in this case they're the same person. <laughs> right, and it's not him. I, I wish there was someone in the front office who is making that call. And I'm even talking just for the franchise. Sure. That's what I want. Because, that because it same, does no favors. Right. That same person stops Ryan Ellis from playing too soon. That same person stops Sean Couturier from attempting to play too soon. That same right. person stops Nolan Patrick from attempting to play too soon. Within Whatever. Within reason. I know that right. situation is more complicated. But there's just no – there's no spine. There's no integrity in this front office. And I know we've talked about it ad nauseum and Oh, and we're it, gonna get well we'll get into the front office more well, as we get to the parts where we're getting Well, right, and we this. might as well get into the losing over the last couple well, and, of and, weeks. Well and, because, and, 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 and let me put a bow on one thing with the yeah, power thing because yeah. of the fact that because you mentioned like the the idea that is this you know is he a candidate for this week well, kind of stuff. So, I highly doubt no. it just so, to say like I, Elliot, I don't Elliot Friedman came out and essentially said that, oh, by the way, you know, asterisk, for the record, there's no way in a million years the Flyers would ever do it. But Joel Farabee has maybe vaguely floated the idea. That's all the, that was. The, the problem with stuff like this is that whether, you know, and I'm not saying whether it happens now or whatnot, that's beside the point. It's when you have a deadline in place. It's look deadlines can breed action, but it also makes it harder to do something when you know that you want to leverage it a little bit more. So right. I don't see any benefit to doing this today, tomorrow, this week. Absolutely. If, if this discussion comes up again, because let's put it this way, you have to ask yourself a very fair question at this point that right along the lines with the Ryan Ellis trade or with 
Um, and you know, another play like let let's throw in Travis Sanheim here for a second, who's not hurt by any stretch, but sat out as a healthy scratch in his closest to hometown junior team city, Calgary. Yeah, John Tortorella is making some statements with his personnel decisions. Sure. And, you know, and Sanheim's one of these guys who, another one, like, signed long-term and signed for big money, you know, probably fair money, but big money is, what you know, as it turns out on this roster. And you're looking at a situation where push the wrong buttons in terms of the way, you know, and I look, I agree with Tortorella to an extent where it's like, listen, if, if, if that's going to damage a relationship, then maybe that's not the guy who needs to be here. And maybe there's a, that's a player who shouldn't be here and blah, blah. I get all that. Right. I'm not saying that that's not a wrong statement, but good luck moving it, you know, right. Good exactly. luck moving it. And which is, it's why I like was really against the Travis Sanheim extension because yep. I didn't understand the rush for eight more years for a player when you shouldn't, you shouldn't know what this team's going to look like two years from now, right. let alone, Hey, by the way, this is a guy who's going to be here for eight. Yep. So, you know, you've got that situation. So when it came to, that's what I'm saying. When it comes to trading for Ryan Ellis and then not being able to see into the future for that or signing Sanheim for that long term, or now Farabee's got a contract. Like you got contracts that are terrible, flat out oh, yeah. terrible. terrible. They're just stuck. Like, and the, it will sh- if, okay. If Sean Couturier never plays hockey again, which at this point has to be a possibility, just uh, I the, think it's a, it's a little less because he's been skating again. I understand. So I don't think he's never going to play. And again, I'm certainly hear, not wishing it. That what quality? I hear you there. But he, and he's one setback away. Like if, if yeah, potentially I got if you. he gets close to game shape again and then ends up not playing and has another surgery. Okay, but either way, if he ends up never playing again, well, at the end of the day, you can LTIR him every year. So it doesn't really affect your cap. But what if he's 30% of Sean Couturier? What if he looks like Eric Carlson looked for three years before his miraculous return this season? What if he looks like – because Eric Carlson couldn't skate. (laughs) For two full years, he could not skate. And then this year it turned back on, but I well, mean, you can't count on that. No, but and and and, and in fairness, like I, I think that the thing with Eric Carlson all those years ago was that that playoff run in 2017, and then kind of the subsequent season after his ankle disintegrated. Like, oh yeah, he just wore himself down next to nothing, and then this season maybe having like the it's one of the best seasons of his career. There are videos of him from that playoff run, that Eastern Conference Finals run they went on, where. Watching him turn left versus watching him turn right was oh, it's painful, excruciating. It's, almost, yes. it's uncomfortable. He looks like a, a child, um, and I say that as someone who cannot skate, and I, I, I know how shattered his ankle was just sure. based on that. Oh, sure, absolutely. So, um, and by the way, the Sharks might not be done. I know we talked about Timo Meyer, but there's a chance that Eric Carlson has revived his trade value. Oh, sure. <laughs> well, and, and and again, it's but it's one of these cases where you know has I think pretty much every team that's toward the bottom at this point or close to like like I I I don't want to you know because there's there's some of these teams haven't made a trade yet like and we kind of know like. It's fair to recognize the situation with Chicago at this point, which is Jonathan Taves was going to be on the move yeah. for sure until everything came out about him with the long COVID symptoms and, and everything. And like now that. he may never play again. Speaking right of now, guys yeah, you got questions about again. the future of his career. The yeah. Patrick Kane situation with Chicago is starting to evolve into a Claude Giroux-like situation where 
he had a dest- he has a destination where he wants to play, and it seems like he's not going to be budging off of that. And- not even seems like he has left the team. Like he he flew yeah. back to Chicago this weekend, and they were in San Jose for a game on Saturday night, and he left the team and yeah. returned home in anticipation of a trade. And sure, and it I- certainly seems as though the Rangers are going to get it done. And they he's going to get what he wants. Yep, they traded Vitaly Kravtsov to the Canucks, presumably to fill, uh, free up a little bit of space. That did um, now. Now they've. I saw that um, Braden Schneider's getting sent down, and okay. I thought I saw there was another player who's going to go down for like a very brief period as well, just to only to come back up whenever the time comes. But those yep. couple of days or whatever it may be would buy them time to get the money right. So when is the trade deadline? It it's Friday, technically, but Friday. it's not going to feel it's not going to feel like it by the time we well, get there because there's so, so much. What happening. I've what I've heard is that the Patrick Kane trade may not happen until the deadline. I heard Wednesday is for, a big target day here. So I wonder, I wonder if you see who the Rangers play on Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. Okay, Kevin, Sunday evening, nine oh six Eastern time. Oh boy. Does Patrick Kane play for the New York Rangers in the, in Philadelphia on Wednesday night? No. Okay. Because I think that I think that there is a distinct possibility that if not the hours leading up to when actually I'll tell you what, I'll do you one better. While I'm on the drive to the arena, the trade will go down. Okay. So that this way, you know, okay, it's he can happened. Make his debut in Madison but, Square Garden on Thursday no, no, night. It's it's happened. We'll know it's happened. He yep. won't be able to play on Wednesday, obviously, because it'll just you, have happened. Do you think they get him to the building during the game? And then he buses, not in and Philly. Then he, and then he buses home with the team. It'd be pretty cool if he if he shows up. They It'd fly be interesting, him. but I don't think it. I, I mean, they're just going to the airport. The airport's fifteen minutes from the stadium. Yeah, I hear you, but I still think they're going to send him straight to MSG and be like, just start there, you know. Flight tracker, watch it. <laughs> but but, uh, but yeah, he shows but, he shows up in the uh, the visitors owners box in the second period. They get him on funny. TV. It's I'm pretty sure it's the national game on Wednesday. Tell me, tell it, no, it's me se- that seven thirty start. So yes, it's a TNT game. Yes, tell TNT me game. that doesn't have flair and pizzazz. We love it. Well, it's okay, but anyway, it's um, very, it's very far oh, yeah. away. But, but, but anyway, so that's that's the Chicago resolution here at this point. Yeah. And, and and don't get me wrong, I don't think that that means that Chicago's done at that point. Like, let's remember that they're they're another team that's selling everything that's not nailed. Right, down. but that's, that's what I was about to say. Let's Sam remember, Lafferty, Jake McCabe. Let's remember that their off season involved a lot of one year deals with very movable caps that they can certainly retain half of. Reason. Like Max yeah. Domi stands out massively. One year deal, three million dollars. That's easy to move. And he, man, doesn't he sound like he's going to be an asset in the playoffs? Doesn't Max Domi sound like the kind of fourth line center you want on your playoff? Team? I'm trying to think of who would go out and try to get him at this stage of the game. Anybody I, who would? Well, want I'm, him, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. Who, I'm trying to figure out, like, like in terms of who hasn't done something that would go and do it. Winnipeg. It's an interesting choice. It did kind of jump out to me. Vegas. I, I'll give you a crazy one. Okay. How about Seattle? I love it. Could you see the Kraken thinking, hey, you know what? We could use one a depth guy with some edge. I'm excited that Seattle's good. I think it is yeah. fantastic oh, for the league. I think it's really good also. I, I really hope, man, and the West is weak. The West is oh, the just West is weak. so weak. 
That means it's wide open, though. It's great. Yep. And the wild card is nuts. Like, they're... Okay, right now, if the playoffs ended today, Seattle's in the second wild card spot. Right. They would play Vegas. That series would be lunacy. If they beat Vegas, they would play the winner of LA and Edmonton. Right. You have a real shot at the oh, Seattle sure. at Seattle versus Edmonton in the second round. The thing that's fascinating about Seattle is so they're the low pretty much. I mean, I'm not I'm taking away the central teams for a second yeah, here. But, and we're not but doing they have, yeah. yeah. But they have the least amount of games played among the Pacific Division teams yep. that are in the playoff picture. So it's not inconceivable here that Seattle being the second wild card today, still just six points off of the division. Oh, there's lead, plenty of season left in that division. Move all over yeah. place. I mean, there's so much movement that could go. I mean, you're, you're literally talking about eight playoff teams in the West right now that are separated by six points or less. It's insane. It's it's wonderful. Lunacy. Yep. And it's and glorious. The and the craziest thing is, none of them have done anything. Yeah, really. I mean, every like, if you uh, look at the trade deadline. There was actually a move today. Um, Dennis Gurionov to Montreal in exchange for um, Dadnov. Dadnov back to the Stars. Yes, that is, I think, the only move I've seen out of the West so far. Oh, and by the way, that's a great segue because there, so there is a bit of a Montreal selling move. Montreal is one of these teams that are coming behind. We already know that, yep. that Van, we already know Vancouver sold off Bo Horvat, so that's one and. You know, certainly and they, they're a uh, seller anyway. Yeah. Well, because I let's just say I know one other guy from Vancouver who's going to be on the move in a matter of days is Luke Shen. He'll go okay. somewhere. Yep. Um. Uh, by the know, way, uh, Chicago did ship uh, Jack Johnson back to Colorado. That's earlier true today. too. Correct. Yep. Um. You the know, Blues have been hauling ass, getting getting stuff out of town since they right. decided to trade Tarasenko you know, and O'Reilly. Barbashev yep. will probably go. Uh, San Jose. Oh, Barbashev did go. I'm sorry. Barbashev went today to uh, yeah, Vegas. I'm to, sorry. Um, Vegas, correct. And yep. so we, uh, we've we already touched on San Jose because the Meyer deal is the big one, but don't rule out an Eric Carlson type of deal. Yep. Um, uh, Ar- Ryder did go to the Winnipeg Jets. Yep. So that Arizona, is a moderate, moderate move. Yeah. Arizona, a lot of the clock ticking on the Chikrin stuff right now, obviously. But there's, but there's other guys on that roster as well who certainly could be moved in different ways. You know, include one one name that I know I've seen out there is there's a possibility that former flyer Shane Gossis Bear could be on the move. I did see that. They um they also uh, Arizona just the other day moved Dyson Mayo as well. So that yep. was like like they're moving off a couple of like the low like it's going to be lower key guys. I believe like Chick runs the headliner in that group. But yeah, but still. And and the inter- and one of the interesting parts is Anaheim might be the only team that's not a big seller outside of outside of goaltending that um, like, you know, because. Their Look. biggest trade ship, Anaheim's anyway, to me, their biggest trade ship, Adam Enrique, is week to week with an injury now. So he kind of comes off the board, but I, I totally expected Enrique to be moved before the injury. Right. So that, that's an unfortunate situation. And even even Columbus at this point, because Columbus thought that they had a deal in place that would have yep. sent Gavrikov to Boston, and Boston pivoted Boston and went with the, the Washington trade. Yep. So, but Gavrikov still should be on the move at some point in the next couple of days. Yeah, so uh, will get some assets back. Uh, oh, and sure. and another Columbus player to keep an eye on, by the way, Jonas Corposalo could okay. very well move as well. Because if you got Man. a team that if no, you got a team looking for a last minute goaltending Oof. solution, he's had a very strong year for a bad team. Vegas, and, just in case. Oh, I could see something like that. That would be an interesting potential move. Uh, I mean. I think Corpusallo makes a decent amount of money, so you got to factor that That's in. Fair. But yeah, Vegas like, always has a way to make it work. Of course they do. 
but that's but my point being okay and you already talked about st louis and things like that right and, and nashville's yeah. kind of started selling some pieces washington sold some pieces uh is there any other team in that grouping of like the bottom from 20th in the standings on that hasn't really been selling lately uh, let me take a look here. 20th on has not been selling. Uh, Ottawa has not been selling. Okay, but Ottawa kind of is what they are. Like, yeah. it's a younger team. They have some injuries. I don't think they have much to sell, per se. Haven't, haven't seen a whole lot out of Montreal yet. No, but I, I think they've made, similarly, they're another team that's built yeah. on youth more than anything. Oh, All so, right. Who are you talking about? I'm talking about the one and only team that we talk about on a, day, a regular basis, the Philadelphia oh, Flyers. Yeah. Like, like every other team that's in the bottom, like the bottom third of the standings so has we know, acknowledged where they are and started selling off. And We, we know what's going to happen here. So go ahead. Tell me what's going to happen. I'd JVR, to JVR is going to go to whoever missed out on Timo Meyer and Ryan O'Reilly and every other top end forward that goes to the market. Sure. And Justin Braun's going to go to whoever misses out on all the better depth defensemen. And Nick Sealer is going to go out, you know, go to whoever misses out on Justin Braun somehow. And that's it. And you're going to get what's left over. And that's okay. all, quite frankly, that's all this team is worth. Okay. That's fair. And that's all you're not. And that's all Chuck Fletcher can do. That's not you're not wrong about most of that. I'm going to correct a couple of things you said because I've got a couple of amendments to what I think okay. is going to happen. Okay. Uh, number one, JVR is going to definitely get traded. Sure. But it, you know, and it, here's the interesting thing because I don't know what the value is going to be. I heard somebody pit like I did a spot on 97.3 on it Friday can't be and much. hold on, and somebody had written from somewhere. I don't know if it was an ESPN thing, but somebody had written somewhere that the thought is that they could get a first for him. I kind of said I think what? Steel, hold on. I kind of said in my mind the ceiling at best, and I mean at best, would be right. a second minimum. All right, like at best, right? But let's not kid ourselves about what he is. He, you know, for a goal-scoring winger who's supposed to be like the power play guy and all that stuff, right? Nine goals in forty games isn't going to get you a ton of value, typically. Now, there's one reason why I kind of changed my mind on that, and that is. If all of the good forwards that are out there are not there by Wednesday, then he becomes kind of a commodity and maybe there becomes a bit of a bidding war. And maybe somehow or other you do actually luck yourself into a second or maybe even a first in a crazy world because somebody gets desperate. But that's really the only reason. If you want me to give you a possible destination for this, I got a really, really big hunch that it's Minnesota. Okay. I have a huge hunch that it's Min and Minnesota's already been linked to him. That's no secret. But right. a lot of the other teams that were linked to him have made their decisions already. Right. Dallas was linked and made their move. Vegas, I think, was linked at one point and they made their move. I know Carolina's looking to do something. Is that you know, is JVR along the lines of there something? I struggle to see that because right. he's not what He's I, not what Rod Brindamore's system is all about, is he? You know, like, I, I also sense that. that's fair. I also want, yeah, but if you're just looking for a net front presence on the power play, if you feel like you might be a little small, but that's on not the way. But that's not the way they run their power. No, play. you're right. Their power play is way more skill than that. That's fair. and I just don't see it. So, um, I do wonder about Minnesota just because they have been playing banker elsewhere. They have brokered a couple other salary retention deals. And let's I not kid our, let's not kid ourselves here. The Flyers will end up retaining half of this. Contract. Oh, of course, absolutely. Easily. That's that's how the deal starts. Sure. Um, 
just because it doesn't make sense. No, nobody has seven million dollars in cap space. Sure. Um, by the way, uh, we don't know where JVR will go, but I do have the full details on Timo Meyer. Oh, I know. So I'll, I'll, I'll. We'll get to that right after we finish with the fly, okay, okay. Because I want to keep yeah, absolutely this, this going first. Because you're right. Like you're absolutely dead on, spot on, accurate when you talk about these are the three guys to focus on. If you like. Let's let's put the bed. We already put the bed the Joel Farabee thing kind of because I just don't see it happening this and week. It's not going to happen. Yeah, no, and guess what else is not going to happen? You can talk about Kevin Hayes all you want to. It's not happening this week. I would be stunned. Unlikely. If you yeah. can talk about any any member of this defensive group. It's not happening this week. I just don't see it. So, you know, if you want to try to talk about these guys who we've all kind of heard among the rumors and among the rumblings and the thought process behind this guy could be on the move or this guy, you know, we don't know. Like he's, it seems like there's a clear point of contention between John Tortorella and the future of this guy in this system. I just don't see it resolving itself in another five days. It just seems no. unlike. So and especially just even just with the contract implications, like exactly. Got so, so I so much money left. It, it's right. not going to happen. No. So I think you hit the nail on the head with the three guys to watch because it's definitely Van Riemsdyk. I think Braun, like the one thing I will pull back on is because if, if all this stuff with Patrick Kane and the Rangers, comes to fruition then i don't think that justin braun is going back to the rangers like i that really actually funny, kind of, like i really actually thought was possible for a little while here right um i do think somebody will take justin braun down the stretch i don't think it will be for much i like honestly can't see it being much more than a sixth like that's, that's fair that's and that might be being generous i, but I, I think i could see a is. team like i could see a team like tampa bay snagging them just as literally a eighth or ninth option Tampa Just will because take, they're stupid. <laughs> Tampa will possibly make a hard push there. If, if they don't they, get Luke Shen. Yep, exactly. Because yep. that's that's exactly the type of guy that they would go for on their blue line, especially since well, they had right. him once already. But that's I, that's the name I should have said. Uh, whoever gets Justin Braun will be the team that missed out on Luke, Luke Shen. Shen. Uh, potentially anyway, yes. But that's, right. And it's going to be, like I said, it's going to be minimal return there. And then... Here's kind of my amendment from what you said, because Nick Sealer's name has definitely come up. And yes, there is a market. And yes, I know as hard as it is to believe there's a lot of teams out there very interested. Not more than Here's, a fifth or a sixth, right? Well, hang on a minute. There's there's one thing that boosts his value a little bit more than anybody else. And that's or not boosts it. But he has a very manageable contract situation that is not number. expiring. Right. So he has one more year left, but it's very flexible you, you can kind of play with this. You could bury it if you, if you need so to. So I think right. that the fact that you're not talking about getting a guy for two months helps your cause a little bit. Here's the thing that I'm actually almost afraid of at this point that I think really could play out. I think that there's never going to be a price that they feel good enough with and they'll just keep him. Fair enough. And I don't get it because... Let's not kid ourselves here. If you think that Nick Sealer is part of the future of this franchise. I'm stunned they signed him for two years. Stunned. I don't know why you're giving that kind of player more than one year. You know what? I'm not going to say I don't understand the term or the contract or anything like that. Like it's not a bad they, contract. I just, well, no, I don't you, know, get it. you know what made sense about it? If you're going to keep him in the seventh defenseman role, then I get it. But somewhere along the way, he somehow or other cracked the top six, basically, because he's missed three games the entire year. 
So when you consider that quite literally, if you, unless, unless the player was named Ivan Provorov, every player who is on the team or every defenseman who's on the team has been benched at some point. Ristolainen was a healthy scratch. Travis Sanheim was a healthy scratch. Justin Braun's been in and out of the lineup, obviously. Sealer was actually sat down for three games in December, so he did miss a little bit of time, but for the most part, not Nick Sealer. Um, Cam York just was a healthy scratch the other day. Or, well, and granted, they said to rest him because he's played a lot or whatever, but yeah, I, like I'm buying that. I like he had made a big mistake the night before and then he doesn't play. Shocker. I think I know why he didn't play on Saturday after making a mistake that was pointed out by the coach on Friday night in the post game presser, right? Like, yep. there's no coincidence there. Um, who am I missing here? Am I missing anybody else? I said Sanheim, I said York, I said Bristol Lion, and um, Tony D'Angelo has been a healthy scratch. There you go. That's the other one. Yep. Like, Every defenseman on this roster has been sat down at some point. So why there's this fascination about how Nick Sealer suddenly became a top six guy and we're not pushing the, you know, the Cam York, let's develop Cam York more kind of thing and give him the minutes he deserves and all that stuff. And I'm not saying that means like Cam York's not being blocked by Nick Sealer because they've been playing in the same lineup together. Like if nothing else, it's been. Justin Braun's been the guy held out of the lineup, which is kind of funny to me because Braun's got like should have trade value and you're sitting him. And by the way, if you were looking for the right way to be a bad team and to sell assets uh, earlier in the show, we discussed the Arizona Coyotes getting value from Dyson Mayo, Shane Gossespear and Jacob Jickren. Those are three of their assets, by the way. Uh, and they're going to get far more value, even if you exclude uh Chikrin, because he's the big piece, and the Flyers aren't trading a monster piece right now. You know, we talked about Sandheim, Provorov, etc. It's not happening right now. I'm willing to bet the Coyotes will get more for Mayo and Gostaspear than the Flyers will for Braun and Sealer. It, it's possible, sure. And And that's the kind of thing that I just know. And... There's no real particular reason other than the fact that Chuck Fletcher is a garbage GM. You know, okay, and th this is a good segue into something else that I had to say okay. this week. Because, because, okay, on the surface, I'm going to say something that I already know that if, if like, if you isolated just this one sentence, it's going to make me look like an idiot and, you're, and everybody would, is going to be up in arms that I'm saying it. But you need to hear the reasoning behind it, so let's let the whole thing play out here, please. Give me like a minute after to the get it. The floor is it. yours. Because it's, the statement on its own is going to sound ridiculous. Chuck Fletcher is not the biggest issue with the Flyers. Okay. The reason being is because... Bobby Clark! Well, the reason being is oh, because... Brent. The reason being is because... Nothing that Chuck Fletcher is doing or the lack thereof is really all that surprising. The bad contracts are not a surprise. That was his track record in Minnesota. Yep. The drafting and the long develop and like whatever. Like, okay. The Minnesota Wild are five years removed from Chuck Fletcher being their general manager. Yep. How are they doing? Well, they're in cap hell and fighting for a playoff spot. Sounds lovely, doesn't it? Like, yeah. Now, and, and listen, fighting for a playoff spot is a little extreme, like in terms yeah, of. Yeah, it's fair. Well, no, but the, only because. We already mentioned the Western Conference playoff picture. Pretty wide open. Six points separates everybody. But then there is a 
four-point gap from the last playoff team to the first team out, and then from there, another four-point gap. So it's really a nine-team race for eight yeah. spots. Yeah, so they're, they're pretty in a playoff spot. But the difference for Minnesota goes from, let's put it this way, Minnesota played a game on Sunday afternoon. Minnesota came back and won the game in overtime. So they got their two points, right? So they went some so they magically jumped from 70 to 72. So they went from being one of the wild cards to into the you know into second place in the central division. By that stroke of luck. But that quickly you could go back to being a wild card. Like in other words, they're hovering in wild card territory. Yep. And and how many times since, you know, here's a question for you. How many times since Chuck Fletcher's tenure as GM of Minnesota started? How many times have Minnesota Wild won a playoff series? So I'm Zero. literally asking for I'm literally asking for total playoff series wins in Z- since whenever he's done. No, it's not zero. One, two? It's two. Two, okay. Like there are two seasons, they made it out of the first round, and that is it. Yep. So if you like being stuck in the middle, then you kind of know the situation, right? So there's nothing surprising about what Chuck Fletcher does or the lack thereof. He's a perfect Flyers GM. Like we should have known during like when they fired Ron Hextall, we should have known Chuck was well, just and, perfect. Well, and here's just here's the thing with this too. Not only is there nothing surprising about it, but there's really nothing like it's not surprising and there's nothing that's going to necessarily like like there's no way to not no way nope. to change it, but it's like this is who he is and I cannot wait until Danny Briere runs this team. I can't wait. I hope that he's allowed to actually make decisions. Um, but I cannot wait until Danny Briere is in charge of this team. But it, but it's just one of those things where it's like there's nothing surprising about anything that Chuck Fletcher's doing as general manager. And here's the thing. Like, you're just watching repeat. This is the fifth. I've, I've seen Paul Holmgren. I've seen Paul Holmgren be a general manager of the Philadelphia Flyers. Right. I'm watching it today. I, I not, Paul- and not, not even literally. I just mean as a general manager. Like, we're just stuck in the middle. And I know we've talked about that a lot on this show, but it's I think Paul Holmgren, I mean, honestly, Paul Holmgren did a better job than this. That's fair. Like, truthfully, I mean, Paul Holmgren actually had a year where he had to take everything and kind of build it back up in a year and found a way to do it and got and, and kept them in that. Look, they didn't win a lot, but they had more successful years with him as general manager than people want to give credit for. Let's Paul just say Holmgren made the Luke Shen for JVR trade, right? Yes, he did. Okay. I'm just I'm. I just wanted okay. to make sure I was remembering so history correctly. But there's examples. One. There's examples for all of that. For sure. Any, for for, there's good and bad. I know. Every, every GM. Uh, don't worry about it. I'm no. Gonna bring up, no, don't worry about it. I'm going to bring up Paul Holmgren in a second. Don't you worry because there's another kind of tactic to this this whole thing. But Okay. But the point being, okay, so this is Chuck Fletcher's fifth trade deadline since taking over <laughs> general manager. Okay, fifth. It should and, certainly be his last. I mean – it should have been his last year ago. The, the second or third, right. year before that, potentially. Like, yeah. yep. like, that's the thing that makes him not the biggest issue. Because when your seat is hot again, cold again kind of situation, you're always trying to do the job to keep your job. But right? has it ever been hot or did fans just get mad? Like, I, I, I'm curious if Chuck Fletcher has ever... Uh, been actually genuinely concerned about his job or if fans just got upset. 
I mean, I, I think that there's elements of it where it definitely has heated up. I don't know if we've I don't know if we've ever reached a point where it's scalding hot. Okay. I'll say that much. I do think it's heated at times because because you can't deny. And this is what I, I remember talking about this on the last show that we did now, now almost three weeks Near, ago, nearly point, a month ago. Yeah, but but this is the, it, it still holds true. When you're in this position in this particular sport, and maybe in any major sport for that matter, because I think you, it, it's, it's a skill that's necessary if you're going to be a general manager. You can't be – well, and as an organization as well, this kind of goes into this. You can't be reactive. I mean right. there are situations as a general manager where you do have to be reactive in the sense that unexpected injury hits you. Well, you got to react to that and maybe do something that fixes that problem immediately because you just lost a player. But so organizations can't be reactive to, well, we're just, you know, his seat will naturally heat up when we go on the next 10 game losing streak. You know what I mean? That's not how you operate. You got to be proactive to the trend says we're just going to do this again because the team's not good enough. So I'm, you jump ahead of the curve and you get there before it reaches that point. And they don't do that. So that's I'm, why. That's why the bigger issue is not Chuck Fletcher because Chuck Fletcher just does the job the way that we've seen him do the job for five years, and there's no reason to think it's going to go any differently than it has. But if you're the one who runs the organization, if you sit at the top where you're in the management group and you see how it's going and you've watched this on repeat like it's an old rerun of some 90s sitcom that's on television, then... At a certain, you, at some point, you need to br- crack down and be like, "This is where the line gets drawn." At and a certain they point, continue it's not, not do that. At, at, at a certain point, it's not even about being reactive. It's not that they're being reactive. I think they're being stubborn. I, oh, they like, definitely are because that's the whole story. That's right. the whole story about the network, right? right. Like, think Remember about that the Ch- story. Yeah, think about the Chuck Fletcher conversation we talked about earlier. We're only five points out of a playoff spot when the entire fan base knows and have known for. At this You're not point, fooling anybody. At this exactly. point, six months, and for a lot of people, about 18 of them, that it's time to break it down. It's time to – maybe not all the way down. I know we've talked about strip it down all the way, rebuilds before. But it's time to make some significant, severe changes, one of which being who the general manager is. Right. And at a certain point, someone in the front office, and I don't know if it is Dave Scott, I don't know if it is Bobby Clark and Paul Holmgren, I I don't know who actually has the call on it, but Mm -hmm. somebody at this point is willfully saying, no, he he is our guy, period. Whether he should be or not, whether the facts say he should be, whether this, that, the other, you're not reacting to anything. You're just being stubborn, and you have made your decision, and your feet are in concrete. Because, because the story of the networks, like this network of guys who keep kind of recycling over each other kind of thing. 35 guys for 32 stem, jobs. Stems down to – it's very much like the player operation of this, where it's – when this stuff happens, do you – okay, do you think that – and I'll just use it as an example because it's kind of at the forefront of the conversation right now around the league. Sure. Do you think the San Jose Sharks don't think that Timo Meyer's a nice guy? Sure. I'm sure they like him. I'm sure they've loved having him for the years that they did. But when you move on but from it's somebody, it's about a nice guy. It's about this is how business works. Yep. I don't want to hear. Like, like I said, I got nothing against Chuck Fletcher as a person. I don't. No, me he neither. Can nicest, he can no. be the nicest guy in the world, and I don't care. Like, I'm not worried. Like good family guy, all that's like, sure, all well and good. 
but this is a business and you're like, look, I understand that maybe your business is in the positive figures here, but you're not running your business very well. If you look at the way that everybody else operates and you are getting lapped. What was I the mean, final straw in getting Ron Hextall fired? Allegedly. Well, the, I guess if you want to go off of the real story that was out there, it was that he was a tyrant who would who stood his ground on A, the coach, and B, all this stuff with the locker room, and also the alumni story. The presence of the alumni in the locker room was allegedly a major factor. And the alumni don't practice in the morning. The alumni don't win hockey games. The alumni... I get wanting to create a friendly culture where, you know, the guys are hanging out. We're all shooting the breeze and talking hockey right. stories from the 70s. And blah. I get all that. The Oilers can do it because they won five cups. In, and quite frankly, it led it was to their detriment for quite a long time as well. Just having a thousand ex-Oilers in the front office. You have a problem in Philadelphia where... It, the big we problem have too is, many friends in the front office. We're not here for business. But you don't have to like. I under look. It's a league wide thing that the, that the sure. network exists. And Hockey I'm not is a nepotism it. game, one hundred percent. It definitely is. But but there's an element where okay, you can tell who's evolved and who's not, kind of, or who yep. at least has a better sense of evolution with and the game. Right? Like spoiler like, alert: if you're not paying attention, the guys who were nicknamed the Broad Street Bullies and still call themselves that in 2023. Their message isn't translating particularly well to the modern day player, just for the record. But like, okay, but like, like, and, and, and I'm going, you know what direction I'm going in this when I'm trying to give the good examples, right? Mm -hmm. You think Joe Sackick doesn't understand how the games play today and knows how to put together a team that know, that can win? Obviously, he, he just won as a general manager and then stepped aside and said, here, let the next guy come in so we don't lose him and stayed on as president of hockey ops, Ooh, right? Uh, right. Like, and I'm like, willing to bet Steve Eiserman's going to do something very similar in Detroit. Steve Eiserman was one of my right. next examples because you yeah. know what? It shows that you can bring back the guy to Detroit who won you all those Stanley Cups back in the day and, and understand that he's going to work to build something as well and do take the steps necessary to get – like I genuinely think that that's a team that has a shot of being – and I don't think they're going to win anything in particular this year because they're very young and they're very green sure. to the playoffs and things like that. But getting them back in the playoffs would be significant. And they and are actively significant. And, and they are actively not selling and maybe looking to add. Apparently they checked in on Timo Meyer. They are rewarding their guys. Mm -hmm. The Iserman, the Iser plan is in full effect. Sure. And I, now here's a thought. How about a team that's not going to make the playoffs this year that's kind of not very good, but again recognizes the situation and, and to an extent. And I don't think there's been really as much turmoil with this situation but this was also news today uh, that i had shared or like the kind of passed around in our group and stuff yeah. like that this one's interesting david poyle is re retiring the only general manager the, the only general manager have the predators had. have ever had is retiring hey. almost like almost acknowledging it's been 26 years and acknowledging i've it's my time to step aside and the guy who's right behind who by the way happened to be the first was ever there, head coach that they ever had in the and franchise was there for like 15 years and was there for 15 years is now going to be a general manager and have poil in his back pocket at any time well for sure but 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 you want to know what tell me how that's any different it's, than Vegas 
with George McPhee running the show at the beginning and then stepping aside and going, okay, it's McC- it's Kelly McCrimmon's job now. Sure, and we saw and Lou Lamorello. Right, we saw Lou Lamorello hand over the reins to Kyle Dubas. Like we've seen this before. We're sure. watch we're theoretically watching Chuck Fletcher and Danny Briere do that. I don't you know. And we, but theoretically. We've watched, but we've watched former players who seem no. to understand today like the today's game. Like Let's bring Seattle back into the mix because is Ron Francis doing a good job there? I'd say so. Yeah. You know, like sometimes you get like guys know what they're doing. Oh, yeah. You know, and know how to do how to step into the right position and do the right things and all of that type of stuff and figure it out the right way. Right. The the problem isn't that the Flyers have old guys around. It's that they have the wrong old guys, clearly. And like it's not just that they have old guys. It's you know what? It, you know what the one of the big problems the is? The same old guys. Well, it definitely is because you want to know what the presence is? As of next, I guess as of next season, realistically, if I'm adding it up or doing the math correctly. but And I know that this wasn't completely the case, so please don't come and attack me for like, I'm not stating false information. I'm just going back to a year that puts an anniversary on it, okay? Sure, sure. But you're coming up on, over the last 30 years... Three out of the four general managers that the team has had over very long spans of time over the course of nearly 30 years are still part are still in that box. Yep. Because it, because the transition was, I believe that the, it was that Bobby Clark was 94 to 06. Then Holmgren was 06 to 14. Then you had the Hextall years and Hextall's obviously off doing, you know, doing a new thing, which is going swimmingly in Pittsburgh, by the way, in case anybody didn't catch the part. The part that frustrates me is just really where this franchise is going. No, did you catch that? Uh, the, I did uh, miss some of that. Oh no, 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 no! I mean, the the, the Pittsburgh story this week. Um, that, um, that no, Hext- which one? That, that Hextall was hit with fire Hextall chance from oh, the Pittsburgh I, crowd I earlier this week. I did get that. Yeah. Like so. Here, here's my thing with. But then, but then, and then Fletcher is obviously the rest of the tenure, and and now right. again, it's a five. So you got a five year guy. Uh, what what would I say? Holmgren was eight years of Holmgren, and then yeah. 12 Big, years of whatever, Clark right. and but but this is what I'm saying that's that means out of 30 seasons roughly 25 of the last 30 seasons you've got the general manager from those teams that are still just around as a presence well, like and here's stop with this and here's the thing I remember I distinctly remember in 2014 at the end of the Holmgren era it seemed pretty clear to to me at least and maybe <laughs> I'm misremembering this it seemed pretty clear to me that Paul Holmgren was not getting promoted because of his excellence and et cetera, et cetera. He was getting right. promoted upstairs as a thank you, but also to get him out of the front office on the everyday basis. Right. Um, president of Hockey Ops felt like a get-your-hands-off-my-hockey team promotion. Then why are why? – why are they still there? Why Why do you ask him for advice? Like if you promoted him to – stop him from making decisions why is he still making decisions well first of all at the time that that happened a certain figure in this franchise was still alive so Uh, that is fair so there was an element of he can still make some of those decisions and they still were moving the right way like you got to understand that at that given point in time there was a key kind of a key part to this was that when Hextall took over, I think the thought process was that that was really when the rebuild, if you will, Correct. was going to start, and it was going to be a process. And then and somewhere then along the passed. way, some, well, no, and somewhere along the way, they made the playoffs with a with yep. a coach that nobody had ever heard of before. Yep. You know, 
And then next in, in his first season in the NHL, no less. And yep. that kind of almost derailed the plans because all of a sudden it was, huh? Wait, wait a minute. Are maybe we good? Possible. Well, no. It's, it was a. It was a. Maybe it is possible that we can be okay and make the playoffs on occasion Rebuild while on the building. Fly. Right. And sometimes that's your biggest detriment is thinking that you can kind of squeeze by and do that. It, very few teams can pull that off without going through a lot of, you know, as John Tortorella puts it, without going through a lot of pain. That's and, fair. And I, you know, like, like there's not like there's not many teams in the playoffs right now or in the playoff picture, I should say, that either don't have a. I want to be careful about using generational as kind of a word, but that don't have maybe a Hall of Fame level player on their roster at the moment. Okay. Like, like even Boston. Boston's got at least, at <sighs> least two Hall of Famers active on that roster. Bergeron's a lock. Marshan's uh, got a Mar- chance. Marshan, I man, I think you're underestimating. I would no, put, I th- oh, I think it's no, I think it's. I'm not trying to underestimate. I would I put Marshan at eighty plus percent. Oh, I think it's a fair percentage. No, I think it's an, um, that's what I. But that's what I mean. I'm saying like he's right. definitely got a chance. Well, and then you have Pasternak, who is young but on Hall of Fame pace. You have right. Charlie McAvoy, who is young but on Hall of Fame pace. Potentially, I, I, McAvoy's McAvoy. I'm not as convinced with as as if he st- if if he stays enough. healthy. I believe well, that's, he that's, is on pace that's to be a Hall of Famer. Right, but and that's truthfully my biggest struggle is that's fair. If but that's the case stays. with anybody. No, I know. I'm not. You, you, I'm not, you, I'm you not blaming said, him for it. You could have said that about McDavid after his first year. You know. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> the the um, old Brandon Manning. Knockout. Well, it was, and and here's the thing. It, because I do want to put a caveat on Hall, because because this is where you're right about the Marshan thing for sure, when when it comes to the Hall of Fame chances. Because yeah. based on some of the criteria of guys that have been put in recently, I mean, there's some pretty obvious snubs out there too that we we've, oh, yeah. we've acknowledged on multiple occasions. Um, you know, <clears throat> Alex McGilney and Rod Brindamore, please. Rod, hello. Um, uh, for sure. Uh, Brian Prop as well, possibly. I think yeah. Brian Prop's got credentials as well. But I was just thinking, uh, you know, because this game because this game was on earlier on Sunday and I was thinking it as I was watching it because because he scored a goal. You know who's got a Hall of Fame case? It, based on the credentials of today, it seems like. I think you already know what I'm going to say, so I'm going to let you I'm going to see if we have the same name in mind. So, okay. I'm, I, I, actually I gave have, you a hint, by the way, because I said he scored today, so that helps a little, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, I, I didn't actually look and see who scored today. Okay, good. Then that, um, does, that, that takes it away, so that's good. I'm going to have two names for you here. One guy who I think is virtually a lock, and then I think another guy who, if they win the cup this year, gets himself in the conversation. Does that mean that your second guess is a guy who hasn't won a cup before? That he well, needs a cup? Maybe. Okay. The first name, the guy who I think is pretty close to a lock is David Krejci. Okay, that's a good name, but I did not think that that's not who I was talking about. Fair enough, and we'll talk about who you meant in a minute. But that's a very uh, good, that's an interesting name. The second name, is, if they win a cup this year, okay, I think Taylor Hall puts himself in the conversation. That's interesting. Okay, now here's the thing. It, He's got a heart trophy. It he wasn't a cup. Here's the thing, because you, you named two Boston Bruins. I wasn't talking about a Boston Bruin. Oh, oh, oh I'm sorry. I was, in, I was generalizing it to the whole league that there's – if we're talking that level credentials here. Okay. Right? That like because, – because is it really 500 – like 500 is definitely a lock. But right. 400 is almost becoming more of a lock now there. because we're really letting in – like they're letting in guys who don't necessarily get their kind okay. of – you know what I mean? Yeah. So there's, so there's a guy who's a lock that I think people are going to think it's nuts, but it's not out of the realm of possibilities at this point. Go for it. Jeff Carter. Oh, yeah. 
Jeff Carter's oh, yeah. got over 400 goals, 800 points, two and cups. still still playing at age 38, and he's won two cups. Exactly. Yeah. You tell me how that guy. How, tell tell me how that guy. Jeff Carter's is, a Hall of Famer. Tell me how he's not any different than say throwing. I don't want to say because the Sedin's got to a thousand points. I got to give them that. But how is that any different from some of these other guys that we've seen go in lately? Where you kind of go, okay, like maybe we're starting to stretch it a little more. How more, how fame is fame. But the more, but that's what I'm saying. The right. more you stretch it, the more he becomes a legit candidate. Absolutely. So I think that that case is very strong at this point okay. because he's. Because it's not like he's going to stop playing right now. He can that still is, play at the right level. So That is fair. So, All right. One more story before we get out of here. A uh, quick update on the, the upcoming schedule. The Flyers only have one game this week um, between now and next Sunday morning, which is probably when I'll record our, we'll record our next show. Yeah, probably. Uh, they, they do play Detroit on Sunday evening. I will have the show out at some point Sunday, probably be, before that game. Yeah, it, Okay. Be out before um, so really, it'll just be that Rangers game. We'll talk about if Patrick Kane came in. Uh, um, did you realize that game's a road game? Which game? The, the Ranger game. I thought is that game not in Philadelphia? No, it is, but it's gonna right, be right, right. Oh yeah, it absolutely will. <laughs> and I'm just, like, just get. I'm just prepping people. Get ready for a. There long will be move. Patrick Kane chance, especially if, like you said, that trade breaks at four thirty-five o'clock. Or five thirty o'clock, you know, five five thirty. It's just going to be interesting to see how this plays out, especially like the deadline the, as it comes the up. The Rangers there's fans, so much, yep, that right. already happened. That, but, but we still have Patrick Kane. We still have Jacob Chikrin. Um, Jonathan Klingberg hasn't moved yet. Yeah, John Klingberg's um, a good name to look at. That that might be Anaheim's big piece to move. You're that is absolutely that. Anaheim's big piece to move. Um, there well, are, although although don't don't hold out on those goalies. That's fair. I've heard rumors about the Anaheim goalies. Believe me, you think and, and John Gibson would go? I don't know about Gibson, but Stolars Stolars could be on the move. I like it's both of them have been talked willing, about like kind of vaguely and willing to bet that Anaheim gets more than the Flyers ever got. Uh, uh, Eric Carlson could potentially move. Gavrikov looks like he's still going to go. Vancouver could always right do now, something right? wild. Yeah. Uh, a bunch of stuff. I mean, I like, could see I could I, see Vancouver do, still doing something wild. I could see that moving like, like a besser. Like I said, it's obvious that James and Reamsdyke as Friday gets closer is going to have more of a market because the, the rest of the markets are everything shrinking. else is drying up. Right, it's yep. it's drying up. So when you're looking for a guy who can go on the move, it's going to turn into one of your best options come later in the week. At this point, the Flyers might as well just stick with the like what they're doing and and hold on as long as you can. Because eventually he's going to be the last guy standing, and someone may finally cave. Yep, and give you a little bit more than what you thought. But yeah, but like like you said, if it's a second and a fourth for JVR, I'm pretty happy with that. The one thing, but one thing I because you mentioned because like like you mentioned before we get out of here, kind of like with the yeah. Ranger game being the only game this week and things like that. The last little stretch of games, kind of to go exactly, has been very ugly. And Touchdown. Yeah, don't you like how the the New Jersey Devils are hitting you with touchdowns you two weeks after the Super Bowl? Yep. Um, Just rub it in, why don't you? Because we haven't had done a show since our pre-Super Bowl prediction show. So we've been in mourning over here. Um, so to get hey, out of think, our get out of think, our How do you think I felt? I watched that and then later in the week got COVID, so I got fair double enough. punched. All right. Um, let's end six, on a let's end on a talking, happy story. Right, but you're talking but like that's what I'm saying. You're talking six two, six two, four two. That was four two where you were leading the game and then McDavid turned oh, on the Connor McDavid what, turned into Connor oh, McDavid. Oh, hang on a minute. 
Now I do want to pull back as much as as much are as you, we as much as it was against the. Are Flyers, you going to talk about the Columbus in. game? No, 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 no. I'm sitting here talking. I'm just talking about. Wasn't it fun to watch? Isn't it fun to watch McDavid? By the way, like being McDavid. Did, did you see what he did in the second period of, against Columbus yesterday? I didn't see a lot of what happened, but I know he so had some moments. Col- Columbus scored in the first period. Then they scored a minute 33 into the second, 324 into the second, 556 into the second. They're up 4 nothing six minutes into the second period. All right, well, I, I did see that they were up 4 nothing, and then they, they, they still – actually, Columbus still ended up winning the game, by the way, ironically. Right, but just in the second period, Fogel scored unassisted about a minute, at, about a minute after uh, Columbus's right. goal. And then, and then dries out from McDavid, McDavid and Barry. McDavid, McDavid from Kulak. Short-handed. Yeah, and then McDavid from Kulak and Barry again. Like he just decided he's like, I'm going to get three points this period, and we're going to tie this game. It's and insane. Then, and then, oh by the way, you said three points that period. Yeah. And then he, in the third, late as they're trying to put another comeback, and he had another one. So he had sixty fifth of the season uh, assist of the season. By the way. Yeah, as I say, thank you. Please make sure you're correct there. It's not sixty fifth goal or not sixty fifth point. Sixty fifth point. No. Sixty five assists, forty eight goals. Stupid, stupid. It, I, okay. I, I, I love it, though. I love every second. Of oh, it. Although, me too. Although I did think it was one of the things that was very interesting was this. And John Tortorella said this after the game against the Devils, which I think is very not just tell, not only telling, but I think truthful. Because he talked about this might like the Devils might be a better offensive team than the Oilers. Overall, and, for sure. And that's the key because everybody's going like, well, yeah. the Oilers are first in goals and whatnot. Like, yes, they're first in goals, but Connor McDavid has, Connor 40, McDavid. has 48 and, you know, Leon Dreisettle is not terribly far behind, you know, no, like, it's stupid, you know. So, like, spe- so speaking of goals, yes, we have a leader. In a, we have a leader in a goal stat that's not Connor McDavid. The 2022-2023 leader for goalie goals is currently <laughs> Linus Allmark, baby. Saturday night. Three to seal a three-one victory, Kevin. <laughs> we love to see a goalie goal. Come on, now. it never gets old. Never gets you, old. Never gets old. It was okay. Now, so full, you know, full disclosure, and I kind of like, and I shouldn't say I didn't. I didn't really say this on the top, but obviously, once when I was when I was down with COVID for a little bit, a lot of stuff got put on hold. My wife's thirtieth birthday was going to be the weekend that I actually had COVID, so we pushed back. Shout all out, the Mrs. Fun. Darso. We pushed back all Happy the fun. Birthday. We pushed back all the fun stuff to the following weekends, which was this past weekend. So, so I did not go. So I did not go to the Montreal game on Friday night, so we could do a nice dinner. I did not go, or not go. Did not watch the. I did not watch the seven nothing debacle uh, that was on. I uh, watched Saturday. some of it, and it was just painful. I'm sure it was. Ugh. Well, well, in fairness, if you're looking for players who know how to put on a show, Jack Hughes, I know, had some pretty good moments. Uh, yeah. And I heard N- and Nico Heischer had a really nice like no look back backhand pass. Yeah, both of them did. He was in Heischer or just you know. Oh, we're we're trying to end on a happy note. Come on now, why are I'm we talking about seven get, nothing I'm, game? I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there because because this is it's where the all mark goal comes in. And now, in fairness, because I because my dad and I kind of split a fantasy team and we you know play along stuff like that. Linus Allmark is one of our goalies, by the way. So yeah. so I'm keeping an eye on the Bruins score. For the, for the win, I just right. want the win. I see two one the whole way through the third period, and I'm like, I go back and check. It, right. no, and I, well, you're sweating because I really wanted the I wanted the extra bonus points Absolutely. for winning. Absolutely. And in my I go league, back it's to, three points, and I go back and it's three and a half in mine. Oh, today. nice, nice. 
So I go back and I look and I see the 3-1 final and I go, oh, good. Okay, they finished off the game. Not really thinking anything of it because I knew it was down to the last handful of minutes. So I assume it's I assume it's an empty netter, but I'm sitting here like like as you would thinking Pasternak, maybe maybe a defenseman clears it down, maybe something right. crazy like that. You know, who knows? And I'm scrolling through the list just to check and I get to that that empty net goal and in a room, understand that I, we have friends over and two of two of the friends that are sitting in the room are, are big enough hockey fans that this resonates, right? Mo- or multiple, I should There's more than that. There's actually a few more than that. And I just go, oh my God, there Omar scored a goal. Yep. And 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 now in, in fairness, and I love this, right away, one of my buddies turns around and goes, legitimately, or was it one of these? Was like, it a deflection the last, last play? Like, yeah. He's the last to touch it kind of things. And I Went over to no, Twitter. No. Went over to Twitter. Yeah. Saw the clip, and I went, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, it's he shot it. It's good, like legit goal." So I have a pretty similar story. I uh, op- was checking my fantasy team too. I saw, you know, the Bruins game was over. I opened the NHL app. I clicked the game to kind of pop down the scores. I scrolled one nothing, one one, two one. I scrolled over. I saw L Olmark. Yep, one, and I went. <laughs> That's weird. Then I glanced down. I saw the EN denoting that it's an empty net goal. And I went, oh, my God. And my wife was sitting next to me, Boston Bruin fan. And I went, watch this. Hit the button, turn the screen sideways, and we just watched it. And if you haven't seen the clip, you have to go check it out. Say what we want about Jack Edwards. And listen, we have criticized Jack Edwards. Don't Uh get me wrong. (laughs) That, that, that particular moment right there. That's why we love regional broadcasts. That's why we love Homer announcers because just pie. Oh, Mark scores! It's just he didn't joy. Have an, he didn't it's have a, joy. Omar didn't have an answer for who came up with the idea, but having him do the celly line was a great call. Well, I, here's listen, the thing: he did, if, now if a defense mind. if a defenseman clears it 200 feet down the ice and into, into the empty net. They skate the handshake line. They sure. skate the fist bump line. Oh yeah. Why shouldn't the goalie? Well, and here's the thing. And I, I got to, I got to imagine that Allmark's brain was racing after the game's over because there's a lot of thoughts to process when you've just scored a goal and you're a goalie, right? Absolutely. If I had, if I had to guess whose idea it was to lead the lead the Selly line, David Pasternak. No, Patrice Bergeron was on the ice. That's and I think, fair. And I think that the captain of the team that is as good of a leader as anybody in the game right now and knows, you, knows to tap that guy on the back and go, you go and get in that line, dude. If you look at the Selly, everyone comes in and they start hugging him. Uh-huh. When Patrice Bergeron comes in, he is vibrating. He is he jumping up and down. down. There's he, a lot of... You're right. a, that was absolutely this, a move by the captain. Well, absolutely. This particular season... There's a lot of little kid in Bergeron in terms of they are vibing heavy. Big last and, dance vibes. And, oh, yeah. Big. And, I hope, man, the postseason well, episode of Behind the Bay is going to be incredible. Holy and there, smokes. And I got to tell you, there were so many things that I love about the whole sequence of clips. Once the game was over, by the way, the, the all Mark Swayman hug, which is always a great watch anyway. Yeah. This might have been the best one I've ever seen. Because they they just love each, the two of them love each other like like that's a tandem it, right there it is man. a tandem but yep. here's one of the things that I loved and this this was a post in post game media availability Jim Montgomery with a quote that I think needs to be it need this needs to resonate around the league okay because I know that typically like like 
the one thing that you think of when you think of this empty net goal, it's a two-one game. If you, if you screw it, it up, yep. if you screw it up in a lot of ways, because a goalie is not always perfect with this. So if you try to shoot and misfire in any sure. way, you could turn it over, lead to an easy tying goal. Like it, there's a lot that can go wrong on that particular play. Yeah. If you're up two goals, you feel a lot more comfortable. Sure. But one goal, the, it's tight. Usually goalies don't try it unless yep. they're up by two. Yeah. So to hear Jim Montgomery say, I love it. Our answer is we're just trying to close out the game. And, and you know, and, you know. The vibes are high in Boston. You know, and, and to go, yep. we can win. You know, we win faceoffs pretty well. What a what a flex answer yep. from Jim Montgomery to say, you know what? If you would ice the puck, we win faceoffs pretty uh, you well. You said it yourself. Patrice Bergeron's on the ice. Hello? Well, right, but, that, but that's why I'm saying, yep. like, like, to sit there and go, we're good at faceoffs. We can win a faceoff in our own zone if we have to. Go for it. I love that he went for it. He that's tried how you earlier. Tr- that's how you trust your team. Absolutely. Yep. Like, I was because I was talking about this with friends last night about this too. Because look, it's way too early for me to just hit you with cup final predictions and things like that. Fair. But there is an element right now where there's like a, a good strong sense that we could be looking at a Boston Carolina East final. That'll be so much fun. I think that that is a. Dr- I mean, that is that more. Is there any more of a dream coaching matchup than this? Jim Montgomery and Rod Brindamore. Rod I mean, mm. two coaches that I think anybody would go nuts to play for. Yeah. See, the thing is, there's no way we can possibly guess an Eastern Conference final with any sort of no. There's clarity because the East is just murderers row right now. It really is a juggernaut right now. And, there's and so everybody many and everybody's adding like. Mm-hmm. Let's read it from the top down. Boston has made their move. They added Orlov and Hathaway, and they and might Boston, not be done. You never know. And Boston doesn't need to go crazy big here. I, I did think for a little while that they might have been, you know, okay, caveat then, because it's not going to happen because I don't think he wants it, but I thought Boston would be an interesting oh place for Kane, for oh Kane to God, go. Oh, my God. Stop. No, Pasternak, Pasternak, Bergeron, Kane. We said it on a recent episode. <sighs> we said it because I turned yep. and said I wouldn't even do that. It was Pasternak was with Marshan and Bergeron, right. but that meant that you were going to put Taylor Hall. Hall and probably David Jake Krejci. Debra- or David Krejci. It was right. It was Taylor yep. Hall, Krejci, and, and, and Patrick Kane. Kane is your second line. Get- and Jake DeBrusque drops to your third with what Charlie Coyle and Nolachari now, <laughs> or no, no not Nola. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I thought you were going to say Nick Felino, maybe. Nick Felino. Like oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably I mean, Nick Felino. It could be Nick Felino. It could be Trent Frederick. I mean, you right. could take your pick. But, but okay. Toronto but got Ryan O'Reilly. New, the New Jersey is getting Timo Meyer. Yeah, by the um, way, before we get out of here, are we going to read oh, that terms yeah, off? Yeah, so too? that is official. I do have that here. It I is, got the shark tweet in front of me, so that's what I'm I, looking at. I have the Devil's uh, press release and NHL article. Uh, the Devils acquired forward. It's a lot. Oh, it, your oh yeah, there's a ton in this. Team Remi- and I'm going to try to pronounce names. If I butcher them, I'm sorry. The Devils acquired. So this is San Jose to the Devils. Yep. Timo Meyer, Timor Ibrahimov, uh, Scott Harrington, Santeri Hataka, Zachary Emond, a fifth round pick, originally Colorado's pick, in the 2024 draft. Seattle, pretty, big pack, pretty big package for New Jersey for being the team that gets the marquee player, right? San Jose receives. So New Jersey to San Jose was uh, New Jersey's first round pick in 2023. Uh, conditional. Shakir Makamadulin, uh Nikita Akodiak. I think I'm pronouncing that wrong. 
forward Andreas Janssen, Fabian Zetterlund, a conditional second in 2024, and a seventh in 2024. Uh, San Jose does also retain 50% of Meyer's salary, not a surprise. Was, was there a typo in there, potentially? Because I have something on here about a conditional 2024 first. I said that uh, 2023 first, a conditional, conditional 2024 second. I wonder if it's a second. Oh, hold to on. a first. Um, is that what it would be? Yeah. So, okay. If, okay, there's a, New Jersey's pick this year is top two protected, but that's not going to happen because they're going to make the playoffs. Um, San Jose receives 20, conditional 2024 second round pick. Should New Jersey reach the Eastern Conference final and Meyer plays in at least 50% of the Devils playoff games in 2023 or the 2024 Eastern Conference or the 2024 Eastern Conference finals, that pick turns into the first. Interesting. Oh, that's, yes. that's uh, a- and it will be top 10 protected if it's a first. So there's a lot of conditions on this. It's a complicated pick. Um, if New Jersey's 2024 first round pick in the 20, I'm sorry, if New Jersey's first round pick in 2024 is a top 10 selection, they'll have the option to instead transfer the 2025 pick. So by, so by the way, because I know people are fascinated with stuff like this, Timo Meyer said he's wearing number 96 with the devils because that was his, apparently it was his number in juniors. Okay. Um, and an interesting comment from Starks GM, Mike Greer on Eric Carlson the quote is at this time I'm anticipating he's here for the rest of the season, but said, but also said if someone wants him where there's a will, there's a way. So okay. interesting. Don't, don't close um, the door, but the anticipation is he might not be moving. So there you go. One more thing on the devils real quick. Um, it's interesting that it is not a condition based on resigning. Uh, it's a condition based on how the team does. Right. Like if they reach the conference finals this year or the conference finals next year, so it's That's a two-year a- condition on the Devils being good, which I mean, if you're San Jose, it seems like a pretty good bet to me. Sure, this this we, is a really good, huh. this is this is a really good quote too. Tom Fitzgerald for New Jersey uh, said he told Timo Meyer the travel in New Jersey may add five years to your career because is every yeah, he's fair. It's but it might, fair. T- it might is- take away twenty years off his life though. Well, no, but it's it's everything is relatively close enough that it's That's, like, hey, listen, you, you bounce around, you play the New York teams, you play Philly, you play yeah, Washington. But is the traffic worth it? <laughs> yeah, that's well, I hear you there, but all right, I think we're, I think he'll adjust. All right, we're getting out of here. We will be back next week with our post trade deadline wrap show. We'll tell you where uh, Patrick Kane went. We'll tell you if Jacob Tripp went. We'll tell you about everything else. Uh, we will tell you about that Flyers game against the Rangers on Wednesday night. We'll tell you about uh, anything else that happens by Friday. Absolutely. And make sure to follow along uh, with Kevin as the, we get closer to the trade deadline at Kevin underscore Durso. Uh, mm-hmm. Follow the podcast at YWT podcast. Uh, you can find the show on Facebook, Instagram, Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, sportstalkphilly.com. Anywhere you find your podcasts, uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Hit the like button over there. It really helps us out. And uh, Kevin, anything else? Nope. All right. Well, until we'll then, see how Friday plays out in the rest of the week because there's a lot seems to be happening. So we'll and, uh, keep an eye on it. Yeah, post trade deadline. We'll see you.